Hi everyone, it's Charlie Webster here. I hope you're all doing okay. Thanks for joining us for a new episode of My Sporting Mind, where I speak to sports stars about their mental health and well-being. Today, we're heading to Melbourne, Australia, to speak to one of England's best netballers. I'm really pleased to welcome Layla Guskov to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, Layla. No problem. Thanks for having me. No, thank you. So, Layla, you play internationally for England. You've moved from Team Bath in the UK to join the Adelaide Thunderbirds for the 2019 season. And you're also a doctor. But right now, I'm staring at you in a hotel room. (laughs) I have to ask you this. You're currently in quarantine. Yeah, and quarantine, yeah, it, it means quarantine in Australia. So I'm in a hotel room in Melbourne. Someone brings my food to the door three times a day and not allowed to leave my room. So it's been strange, but the end is in sight. Yeah, I mean, how's things been for you for the last couple of months? Because you were in Australia and then as soon as the season got postponed, you came over to England and then went from your kind of half netballer into full doctor. How was it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think like most people, it's just been a really unsettling time. So I I think you don't realise how unsettled you feel until I kind of got back to Australia sat down had a plan for what the next few months are going to look like because since March it's just felt like a take each week as it goes kind of thing Um, and when the league was postponed here I knew that I definitely wanted to get home and I knew that I wanted to be with my family and do some work but no one knew how long that would be for or if the league would happen or just what the future kind of would entail for the next few months so it's been weird it's been unsettling as I'm sure the whole population has felt um, but it feels good to be back and have a bit of a plan and purpose I think. Yeah so where think where where do things stand for you right now then apart from the hotel room? Yeah (laughs) (laughs) so we've got our season starting on the 1st of August here so I'm in Melbourne at the moment so I need to travel back to Adelaide and then just join the team who've been in training for the past few weeks and look forward to the season starting on the 1st of August so I think we're pretty lucky that we get to play sport because uh, most like leagues and a lot of female leagues around the world aren't happening at the moment so looking forward to being able to play and and put some content out there. So I just want to pick up on what you said around um, that uncertainty because I think a lot it's it's obviously wherever you are and whatever you do I think that's been a huge element of that to so many people's lives. How do you deal with that uncertainty? Yeah, I find uncertainty really difficult. So I'm quite purpose driven. So I like to know exactly what's going on, like we all do. Um, And I like to have a plan, even if it doesn't go to plan, I just like to have one. So there were periods certainly in the middle where I, I really struggled and felt like I didn't know what was going on. So for me, it's so cliche. And it's what we get told all the time in sport about controlling the controllables. But I really struggle to refocus sometimes and think about what I can actually control and affect. So it's a matter for me then of just sitting down and being like, I don't know what's going to happen with the league. I don't know what the future holds. But at the moment, I'm here. I'm working. That's my current like role and purpose. And it's great. I get to be near my friends and family for it. So just trying to re-hook back into what I what I can affect rather than all these things that feel so hard to to like not tangible for you to be able to do anything with. Yeah, it causes that like ball of frustration, doesn't it? So do you talk to yourself in your head and kind of go through that pattern? Does it help you then make sense of it? Yeah, I talk to myself um, and I just try to really think about 
what I can do, whether it's just something physical that I can do that makes me feel like I've got some control or purpose to what I'm doing, or just kind of de-escalating myself to realise that things are under control and everyone in the world at the moment is is struggling with knowing what's going on. So it's all right to feel uneasy. Yeah. I went, you know, um, last year, obviously, it was kind of meant to be like a huge year for you personally um, with mm. the World Cup. And it was amazing because England won bronze. Do you think some of the things that you learned then, because you ended up getting an Achilles injury and you were out for a long period of time, was it around nine, around nine months? Yeah, well, um, yeah. yeah, still, still waiting to go back on court. So right, it's, okay. it's nearly 11 months now. So. since you've been on court and played a competitive yeah. game so yeah. how how did you deal with that and did you use some of the because if you're somebody that likes to know you know have that purpose and yeah. I'm very much like that like yeah. I find uncertainty <laughs> very difficult too mm. um, because I like to be in control of things how did you deal with that period yeah I had a really interesting journey with my Achilles because um, I did it at the World Cup and at the time I felt fine and I think that was because of the occasion. It was amazing and it was fun and I was still around the team and it was, it was cool. And the two weeks that I was still with the team, even though I just ruptured, I felt fine. And even the the first couple of months, I felt completely fine. And it was around the kind of three to four month mark where I hadn't seen any real progress because Achilles are a really slow burn initially. And I felt, like I wasn't doing anything that that was when I really started to feel the effects of being injured and the the kind of low periods that people talk about quite a bit with injury for me didn't happen when I did the injury it was certainly a few months later and with England netball we get access to like a sports psychologist who when we're injured, we, we can speak to. And I'd been speaking to him for a few months and I'd, I'd been fine and just been completely cool. And then just one time in particular, we spoke and I realised how unlike myself I felt. And it was around that time that I did start to think about the things that really drove me in life. And one of those things were purpose-driven activities to make me feel like I, I had some control and I was doing things. So certainly that period where I started to look at the things that I could do even though I was at home and still in a boot and not able to get out what I could still do in and around me to make me feel better that has definitely helped me during quarantine and I hope will help me kind of in the future if I have those feelings again yeah so did you almost take it back to go right I can't do that but I can actually do this and break it into small achievements who actually felt like you were you were achieving something in progress yeah yeah and I think For me at the time, I was really worried about kind of not being in work, sitting around, like I'd forget all my medical knowledge, like that's what happens in four months. But it's the type of thing that you do start to worry about. So I thought about like signing up to courses and programs that I could just do online that would help me feel like I was still progressing or learning. Um, And then although I couldn't do things with my Achilles, working on other things that I'd had problems with over the years that I'd never had the time to fix and for the first few months that certainly wasn't something I thought about doing it was just my Achilles was the only thing I thought of but when I sat down and really thought about what would make the biggest impact to how I felt it was feeling like I could work on something and get better at it and that something needed to not be my Achilles. So it must feel amazing now it is in the sense that you've gone through this period and I know it's been really tough but 
and then obviously we've had the pandemic and, and you worked as a doctor over in Birmingham and you're now back in Australia you must be like dying to get on that court what's the feeling yeah. feel like oh I can't wait it's been yeah like you say the most random year but it's yeah so strange and I think up until I got here I, I kind of didn't even think about playing netball because we've obviously had bigger things to worry about in the past few months but now I'm back and now netball's around the corner like yeah I can't wait to play again um, and you have the nerves that you always have when you come back from injury over whether you'll be good enough or whatever but um, I actually just can't wait to get out there however good or bad I am and just just play netball. What's the difference like in Australia in terms of firstly netball because in England it's semi kind of amateur semi-pro um and is it semi-pro in Australia but is it I don't know what's the finances like is it a paid salary yeah so it's so in England um the girls in Super League get a small salary variable from club to club but there's quite a small salary cap I think it's about 75,000 for a squad of 10 to 12 players and in Australia the salary cap I think it's just gone up but last season it was about 500,000 um for a squad of 10 so yeah so it's a pretty big difference um and in Australia for a lot of people it's their their job their source of income and some of the slightly lower paid athletes might do supplementary part-time work but certainly within my team I don't think anyone does anything really to top up their salary everyone can live off their netball wage and for yourself, is that what you're going to do then? Or are you yes, going to as a doctor as well? So, yeah, we have a real struggle. So when internationals come over to Australia, we come over on a sports visa, which doesn't allow us to do any other form of employment. So whilst I'm in Australia, I do kind of like voluntary medical work just to keep keep my eye in and, and do what I can. And I feel strange when I just do one and not the other. So right. for my like internal balance, I like doing a bit of both, but we can't get paid or any like remuneration for it. Do you have this? Cause I wonder what the balance is like. Do you have this like pull where you're like, okay, am I a doctor or am I a netball? Or is it, are you just, I mean, half and a half and that's who you are? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's changed over the years. So I think, Throughout medical school and the first bit of uni, I definitely felt half and half. And as I've ascended through kind of the England ranks, I guess, and as in the medical world, some of my friends have got older and progressed, I definitely feel a pull towards one or the other. And I was saying to someone recently that I have this feeling, which I I have to suppress sometimes a feeling that you're missing out on one or the other. Um, But actually, I have the best of to great worlds and yeah. being appreciative that I can do both of them so I do feel a pull sometimes in one or more of the directions but um yeah it's it's cool and I'm, I'm so grateful that I get to do both of them and they're both great yeah there's no reason why you can't be multiple things or do both yeah and I suppose it's amazing because you've you know netball is an amazing career but it's almost like a half half of your life yeah um, so then you have the fact that you're you can be then a doctor or a lecturer or kind of build yeah. on, on your medical background. Um, later, I spoke to a top Australian um, sportswoman. She was telling me how sports psychology is almost at the centre of elite sport in Australia, which I think is like 
slightly different or maybe quite a lot different from the way it is in England. Would you say you've seen yeah. difference in terms of their approach in the importance of mental health in sport? So I don't think I've noticed that too much with netball between the two countries. I think it's hard to compare because a lot of the sports psychiatry or psychology input that I've had in England has been on an international level where there is quite a bit of emphasis now on culture and there is quite a lot of support because of the finances and the structures which there are at club level in England that can't necessarily be replicated. Here in Australia within my club we have access to a sports psychologist if we need it um, and we, we certainly have kind of culture sessions but I wouldn't say that we routinely have someone that we talk to and it, it doesn't feel like it's the focus of, of the sport out here. Um, but I'd say our access, a co- or where yeah, we talk about yeah. our values, like okay. values as a team and what you want to live by and what you want to represent, those types of things. And it's something that, you, that we do in quite a lot of teams that I've been in. You sit down at the start of the season and you decide what, three words define you as a team or what things you want to live by throughout the season and it's it's quite a good way of I guess everyone kind of hooking into what they think the team standard should be so I'd say that that that's something that's promoted a lot more throughout the sport than necessarily your psychological well-being uh, I think you still have to seek that rather than it being something that's just routinely available so can you give us a bit of an insight, if you're okay to, about Adelaide yeah. Thunderbirds and like what the, I'd love to know like what the three words are or what the, I don't know, you stand for as a team or you stand for as a person? So our, our values really are that we want to be like a family and we want to treat each other like a family. And we also wanted to be fierce, which is, I guess, a term that it has like numerous different meanings. But for us, we just wanted to be like a force to be reckoned with within the league, something that if people came up against us, then we, we'd want to stand firm. And that's the strap line of the club. It's fierce together and it's all over all of the, all of the, the social media stuff that they put out. So they're the things which we kind of value the most within the club. And how do you But this year might be that? different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it might be different. Not fierce anymore. It's changing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we don't want to be fierce. <laughs> how does that represent you as a person? Um, so I like family quite a bit in, in any team that I play for. So part of the reason I play netball is because I like having fun. And I'm sure most of the sports people that you've spoken to haven't just got into sport because they want to be competitive and want to train really hard every day. Like you, you enjoy it. So I think it's so much more satisfying when you're part of a community and environment that really supports each other and, I think for most people, they've been playing netball since they were primary school children. So you make some of your best mates and like friends generally in netball. So family is probably the big one for me. Um, but I also just really like having fun. Like I enjoy having fun and not taking it all too seriously, still being serious, but just not forgetting that you like to me, if I'm not having fun, then I shouldn't be there anymore because that would be losing quite a large part of me and why I do it. It sounds a weird question, but how important is it to have fun? I know you're saying how it's so central to you, but the reason why I'm asking you is because I think sometimes we, and I'm not speaking as like a royal we, but I think, I don't know, I sometimes am and 
I think society, we forget that we're also here to have fun. Yeah. And I think it's fun can also in the sports world be seen as a bad thing sometimes, like you're not taking it seriously or you're not giving it your all. But I genuinely think that you have or you perform at your best when you're having fun. And not every situation's fun, like you're in the depths of a match and it's it's not fun. But I think having that element of camaraderie and a good time with your teammates is what helps the on-court environment and I like to have fun in most things. Like I like to have good relationships with my colleagues at work and I like to have good relationships in netball because I think it just makes it all a lot easier to, to get through the day. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, for me, it's a really big one. And talking of culture, um, I know it's been, it's been that kind of bizarre 12 months for yourself as well, but there's been so much going on in the world what's your thoughts on black lives matter at the moment and do you think this is really going to have that cultural sh- shift like really where we're going to see a change rather than it kind of being a moment now that then's going to go away yeah. yeah it's been a really interesting time um and i think it's crazy that we're witnessing i guess one of the biggest kind of global civil rights movements um and it's it's gripped pretty much every country which is good and sad that it came out of something so tragic. For me personally, it's a really interesting one because I love the global support that it's gained. It's great seeing companies put black squares and and tweet and, and put things on Instagram, but it's how to transfer that into actual change. And that's something that I've grappled myself even with, like what change can you make as one individual and how can we have like a greater impact than just ourselves on the situation? So I think it's good that I've seen, even within the sporting world, there's been messages from lots of different governing bodies about reforms that they're going to make, looking at the board level and the fact that a lot of the sporting boards are pretty white, even though the teams that they might represent will be quite diverse. And that's something that we've seen quite a bit within England netball um, and companies as well that are looking at how they can improve their diversity and, and equality. So I'm hoping it will create some change to the kind of systemic problems that we see, but it's just working out kind of individually how, yeah. how we can contribute, I think, which is a different, different question. Yeah, I think it's a, I mean, it's, ama- it's amazing, but it's an interesting time because I also relate it to, um, and I wonder your thoughts on this as well, when boards were majority male, and mm. we're trying to yeah. say, okay, look, women, women should be at that level as well. And I think even in the media industry, there's been a, a thing where there's been like, okay, oh, let's tick this box to make sure we have a woman on it. How do yeah. we make sure, you know, I personally don't agree with that because I think that's not, that's why I asked you the question about it being a cultural shift and a behavioral shift. So yeah. it's not like, oh, we need to put a woman on it or we need to put yeah. a black person on it and we need to put it because then to me, that's not changing the actual mindset. I wonder what your thoughts are. Yeah. Well, I, I think what you say is really interesting because I was surprised to see that Sport England had a, I guess, a quota for the amount of women or diversity that they needed from a gender point of view on the boards on of different sporting governing bodies. And um, yeah, it surprised me that that was the case, but it was clearly necessary. You hope it wouldn't be, but it, it has been necessary. Um, I think for a lot of things it's even starting below the levels that we're talking about so it's improving access and it's improving kind of recruitment and access 
for people from black and ethnic minority groups so I know there's been stuff about like the media and the media being quite white journalism being quite white why is that why are kids not interested or don't feel that they want to go into journalism are they just not seeing role models within journalism that makes them aspire for that, to those careers or is it what just what is it what is it that's contributing what's the access problem and we spoke a bit about this me and a couple of the other netballers in a recent kind of article just from a netball point of view netball's quite diverse within our elite level squad but there'll be a number of girls all around the country who are unable to access netball or aren't able to do it for financial reasons and we were quite lucky in that respect so it's about finding those groups speaking to them and working out what it what is it like what do you need what do you need to see what do you need to change what support do you need to be able to live out the dreams that you hope you can so that's where I think we need to go I agree with you I think it should be all about grassroots and education and accessibility I think like you mentioned finances there's so many barriers I think especially I mean as somebody in media and journalism um there's so many barriers it's not you know it's a lot of it is socioeconomics because unless you're yeah. you know from a, a wealthier background a higher income background it's very hard because the entry levels are so low in terms of finances um and yeah. for you thanks for your thoughts on that and for your for you personally what are your hopes going forward i know you said at the beginning you're really purpose-driven yeah what are your my thoughts? hopes for you black personally. lives matter or just generally in yeah life? you personally in life oh okay um yeah that is a big question what are my hopes um so my immediate hope is obviously to get back on the netball court get playing again um I'd like to be in the Commonwealth Games squad in 2022 because it's in Birmingham which is my hometown and it would be great oh that would be amazing it'd be so good um and all my family and friends which would be amazing um medically I'd like to become an anaesthetist and do intensive care medicine. So that's something that I want to kind of apply for and progress towards over the next few years. And that's it, really. Keep having fun. Oh, that's it. <laughs> yeah. That's enough. Thank that's you it. And I would, yeah. And I think kind of, and this is sparked from Black Lives Matter, but something that I, th- I think I should have thought of before is I, I would like to find a way that I can personally contribute to the community generally whether that's through mentorship I think there's a few of us or a lot of us in sport that are great role models or hope to be great role models if we can be and so I want to be able to find my way to actually make not a tokenistic contribution but a positive contribution to people's lives. Yeah do you think sport has a responsibility on a societal level and also on a personal level? Yeah I really do and I I know um a lot of people don't a lot of people think that sport is sport and we're just there to entertain and we get paid to throw a ball so we shouldn't have any opinions but I think sport has always played a really massive role in social issues and I think even when you look back at like Berlin Olympics and um, you look at the Black Power salute I don't think that there is a line between politics and sport and I think that if you ask someone out there with influence or you're a role model somewhere then I personally think it's quite important to use your platform yeah sports I think we forget that for generations it's been like that I mean yeah you know somebody I always look at and it's so fascinating is is the impact Muhammad Ali had yeah it wasn't just about boxing it you know and I think it's 
it's something that's always played a huge part because sport is so impactful. Um, and Leila, for you know, you mentioned about control the controllables. I mean, that's something that like I personally use myself as well. Um, mm -hmm. Is there any other like bits of wisdom you can impart with us about coping mechanisms or things that you use to help in? In the low moments or the uncertain moments or when you're in a hotel room in quarantine <laughs> can't wait to get yeah. out you know <laughs> yeah um I think that's been the biggest one that I've learned recently how to control the controllables but also ugh, being grateful sounds so cliche but one of my my colleagues in the team um started during quarantine making a list of kind of three things to be grateful for and for me it's it's really useful for me to reflect on kind of the positives in a situation because I'm definitely a glass half empty type pessimistic person so trying to refocus on positive elements of things and rationalize that side of my mind that likes to seek the negative is something that I felt really useful found useful to do. Amber Keegan-Stobbs actually said that. She's a footballer for Crystal oh. Palace and she said the same thing. And she said even to the point where she was grateful for the coffee she had, you know, <laughs> even when she yeah. struggled to find those three things and then just even yeah. writing that down helped her even something like, you know, a coffee. Yeah. And that's the, I, I don't write things down, but I often, when I feel like I've been super negative, I actively now try to find the positive in a situation and find that there's so many more of those often than the negative it's just easy to dwell on that well thanks Leila it's been amazing to talk to you and no good luck with the start of the season it starts in August right in Adelaide yeah it um, does thank you and also I hope to see you in Birmingham for the Commonwealth me too be amazing. <laughs> that would be great be so good <laughs> well, thanks so much yeah no thank thanks you. so much for your time it's been brilliant um massively appreciating thanks for listening Hope you all enjoyed it. Thanks also to Sport in Mind Charity for their support. And don't forget, if you are really struggling with anything, you can get in touch with organisations such as Mind, Samaritans, and in the UK, it's the NHS Helpline 111 as well. That's 24-7. And don't forget, you can reach out to me on social media with any questions as well. Keep safe and we'll speak again soon.